Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. After my four years in the Navy, Renee and I moved to Charlotte, even though neither of us were from here. I was from the mountains of Virginia, and she was from Florida. But we agreed that Charlotte was where we wanted to build our future together. I was a full-time student at UNCC by day and ran a janitorial business at night. And a few years later, I bought a little air conditioning company. And that's how I met you. And I'm really glad I did. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni and Will Bryan, presented by Morris Jenkins. That's right. It's that time of the week, the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins. And Mr. Jenkins told me that he loves football and he looks forward to this show all week. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, call Morris Jenkins or visit Morris Jenkins. Kristen here with my good buddies, Will and Matt. Fresh off of a celebration Sunday, I guess, a celebration all week. A nice win for the Panthers over the Washington football team. And and what was a reunion for a lot of these players, uh, coaching staff, um, everyone uh, involved. So it was neat to see, guys, I thought, the the camaraderie. you know, everyone kind of it kind of felt like a family reunion before and a little bit after, but it was all business um, during the game and uh, a nice win for the Panthers. They played lights out in that first half and uh, then were able to to make some stops where it counted. Hang on to that win in the second half. Yeah, it's it's like one of those things where you go and, and play your old friend or you play you know maybe like a, a cousin or a family member and you really, really like them and you really respect them, but man, you really want to beat them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of had that feel to it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Coach Rule didn't necessarily have uh, the relationship with with Ron Rivera that a number of the players and obviously a lot of the staff, some of the staff did, but it, it, it felt like that a little bit. Like, hey, yeah, we love you, man. Like, we really, we're, we've been thinking about you, but man, we're going to come out here and we're going to win this game. Like we're, we're, we're going to win this game. And I, I think it kind of had that feeling um, kind of leading up to it and, and certainly through it. Um, and, and there was just so much, there was so much intensity from, from guys like Dante Jackson and Trey Boston, you know, Trey getting that interception right before half um, the, the, the big plays in the, in special teams, there was really just a sense of, Hey, we want to break through. We've been so close to kind of winning these things. We're, we're not going to let this come down the fourth quarter. We're going to get this thing done. And this win was um, an example of two things that uh, Matt Rule has preached all season. Uh, one is that he doesn't want to let um, 
emotion get the best of anyone when there is a you know a reunion type game? I remember talking to him the first time that the Panthers were facing the Saints, and he said, uh, "I said, you know, what do you think about Joe Brady and and Teddy Bridgewater going back to face their former team?" And he's like, "Actually, I just wish every week." I hope that everyone prepares exactly the same way. And so this is a, a very emotional game, and he thinks that sometimes emotions can get the best of you if you don't channel them in the right, um, if you don't channel them in the right way, and that you play off emotion um, rather than than doing your job and and knowing the the game plan. And so I thought this was a a nice um, win for them in the sense that they um, did not let emotion and and seeing the former coaches um, and former teammates get the best of them, um, which I know that Rule is very happy about. And then also the other thing that he's talked a lot about lately is learning how to win in December. And, you know, he says he considers it a skill and it's something that he's uh, had an eye out this month, especially when it comes to the young players. Here is what he said on Monday in his press conference in this week's Overheard. Do you hear something? Overheard. I really believe that it's a skill to win late in the year. Like you watch the Patriots the years ago, the Super Bowl, they high flying and all of a sudden at the end of the year, they transform themselves when it gets cold and they run the ball and stop the run and do all those things. So um, I just wanted to give you a, a complete kind of football answer. If that makes sense. Why I think it's so important that we went to Lambeau and didn't roll over that we fought back. Why it's so, and if you look back to the first game was Denver, we didn't play very good. And so to go from Denver to the way we played at Green Bay, to now the way we played yesterday. I mean, that was that was a hard-fought game. And then we'll see what happens this week versus the Saints. I mean, it's 425. It's national TV. It's the Saints, you know, they're fighting for the, the, the bye. I mean, the bye this year is so important because only one team gets it. So, I mean, they're, they're going to play. And so if we go play, then hopefully that'll be another step. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, about, it's about a sense of in order to win games – you have to win in the fourth quarter. In order to win seasons, you have to win in December. In order to be a successful franchise and program, you, you have to get to the playoffs. And winning I can't in December, tell who's I, Will Bryan and who's Matt Rule now after <laughs> listening to these. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go oh on. Oh, my gosh. I, I love I mean, it, though. I love it. But it, Yeah, I mean, it's something we talked about. You know, I referenced what Jake and Jordan said back in November before even in it. It was one of those things that back in the back in the day when the Panthers won three straight um, or three straight playoff appearances under Ron Rivera, one of the things that they kept talking about was you got to win December, win December. And they were able to do that. And these last couple of years, I mean, obviously injuries, all the things kind of contributed to it. But I think the thing that really got people around here was just, it just fell off. And that's just something that I think was really important that uh, for Matt Rule that didn't happen this year, that yeah, things were, you know, maybe you're out of the playoff race, maybe, uh, there, there isn't seemingly as much to play for, but we're not going to fall off. And, you know, we're going to keep building. We're going to keep getting better. We still have games to play. You know, we're professionals uh, and, and we're going to keep getting better at it. And I think that that has, has shown itself. I mean, it, it's hard to win in, in Lambeau, you know, against Green Bay. And they still did a pretty good job of that. And obviously this week, um, you know, going to Washington, a team that uh, needed to win that game to win the, to win the division and they did it. And then again, again, this week against the saints, the saints need to win to have a chance to get a buy. So as coach rule said, it's uh, you know, they're simulating kind of playoff atmospheres and they're, they're going against teams that are really trying. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I, I asked him, I said, did this win? I was talking to, to coach rule earlier this week. I said, did this win 
show you that that foundation is being laid for for starting to learn how to win in December. Now it's only been you know the one win. Um, but he said, yeah, he saw it in those things, Will, that you were just talking about, um, in the commitment and the intensity. And I tell you what, I saw it in practice last week. Um, it was Wednesday, right, you know, the first day of practice last week, coming off of a, a tough loss, a disappointing loss. And the defense, as soon as they came out, like all gathered together and did, I asked Jack about it, and he referred to it as like stomp the yard, you know, where they're all in like a circle and they're I'm, now I'm like moving back and forth in front of my mic and no one can see me. It just is, you know, great audio right here. But, you know, they're all moving back and forth and, uh, you know, Jack jumps in the middle. I mean, that's that's the first minute they get out um, onto the practice field after a tough loss when they only have two games left and are, you know, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. I just thought that was the coolest. And I asked Jack about it and he said, yeah, he said, well, Trey thought we needed some energies, like so I jumped in there and it just set the tone. And I really feel like that translated. I could see it in practice all week, and then it translated to this game. And, you know, Rule has also spoken about how the veterans have to lead the way for these young guys to learn how to win in December. And there's this uh, quote that we've heard him say a couple of times, which is like knowing the game plan and also being able to make sure you have a present for your wife. You know, it's not just that this is the most important time of the season. Um because it leads to the playoffs, how you play in December leads to the playoffs, but also it's you know, the holidays, um, all that kind of stuff. And so he said that he thought this, the way in which they won the game um, really showed him that they are starting to kind of grasp onto that to meet the moment, but but they got to do it again. You know, it's just, um, can't just be a one-time thing for this this culture to to change and to have that winning in December mindset. So, as you said, Will, another great opportunity on Sunday. And I think one of the things that maybe got a lost a little bit, or at least not articulated well enough on the on the Twitters over the last mm-hmm. seventy two hours, because I mean it's it's been it's been crazy out here. Uh, crazy out it, here in it, these Twitter streets. It's it's crazy in the Twitter streets, and you know I'm sure people that are listening to this, you know, have no you know, in their mind, have no patience for us defending this or whatever, you know, they want that top three pick. And, you know, we can go back and forth about, you know, all the statistics of top five quarterbacks since 2010, only winning, uh, you know, like two playoff or 12 playoff games, and only two of them could potentially go to the playoffs this year. You know, not that I didn't look that up just before we talked, but (laughs) I want to, I want to go into this. Yeah. Sorry. I want to go into this real quick. You look at this team of, of young guys, and certainly this year, maybe more than other years, there's a uh, a lot of guys still under contract coming back, you know, really trying to build this thing together. But you look at a guy like like Mike Davis. Mike Davis doesn't know necessarily what any year is going to look like for him. You know, whether he's back with the Panthers, whether he's somewhere else, whether he's backing up Christian McCaffrey, whether he's splitting carries with Christian, he he's not going to go out against Washington with a chance to get a thousand scrimmage yards to enhance his life, his family, his, his future, you know, his money and just say, well, but you know, if I score this touchdown, we may not get a top five draft pick. Like maybe I should just fumble it. You know, like, I mean, what do we never happened. I do. Yeah, of course not. You know, I mean, he he, teared up, he teared up in his press conference this week about getting a thousand yards. So obviously this game is important to him on a level that, that none of us understand. Right. You know, I mean, Curtis Samuel doesn't he, he he has no apologies for someone that wants a top five draft pick 
when he's out here getting records for scrimmage yards and helping himself, you know, whether it's here next year with a contract, whether it's somewhere else, you know, he, he doesn't care. Like these guys mm-hmm. are professionals and okay, that's Brian, what, Brian Burns going out there. We didn't think he was right. going to play all week. He didn't practice. And then at the last right. minute he was like, no, I'm going to play. <laughs> like, right. And he kept because, getting re-hurt and yeah. getting back in the game because he wanted it so bad. Right. And that, you know, that, that's how that, that, I mean, that's the, what the point of the culture part is, you know, it's not just this, you know, people are like, Oh yeah, they're really going to remember that game in December when they're entering training camp in August. And it's like, Maybe they will, maybe they won't in terms of a gut feeling. Maybe it's different players. But when you have guys that you know are always ready to compete, if they're ready to compete in December when it doesn't count, that means that they're ready to compete when they wake up in March and they go down to their home gym and they're working out on their own, you know, or they're ready to compete when they show up to, to mini camp or training camp or whatever it is. You know, if, if they're ready to compete now, then that's something about them that means they're always ready. And that's what you need in guys to be elite NFL football players is, is, you know, competitors all the time, all the time. And another thing that, that mentality that you're talking about, that leads to a longer, more successful, more sustainable franchise where having a top five pick isn't that is not necessarily indicative of, of a culture change mm-hmm. or of, Oh, well, we're, we're going to have a top five pick. So obviously we're about to blow up and have a playoff team. So I looked this up. Well, you're Mr. Stat guy, but I looked this up last <laughs> night because this is kind of a hot-button issue for me. I hate the whole tanking argument. So 11 teams have had five or more top-five draft picks since 2000 NFL, since the 2000 NFL draft. Of those 11 teams, four have been to the Super Bowl, and only one team, the Bucks, have won a Super Bowl, and that was before they started picking in the top five. Okay? So eight teams have had one or zero top-five draft picks in that same time span, those teams have combined for a 16-7 and record in the Super Bowl, whereas the other 11 teams combined for a, a losing playoff record of 32-49. and 49. So top five draft picks obviously do not translate into Super Bowl or playoff wins. Yep. Mm. I mean, it, it's pretty simple because there's, there's, there's more at play if you're drafting at the top five. Yeah. It's, more, it's more than just, oh, we need a quarterback and then next year we'll be great. No, it, there's, obvi- there's, there's usually other things that are – problematic that need to get fixed if you're in the top five and then you're in the top five again and again um it's not someplace you want to be so those 11 teams that have picked five or more times in the top five are cleveland washington Mm -hmm. cincinnati jacksonville arizona the chargers detroit the new york jets the raiders tampa bay and the rams none of those teams have long sustaining call i guess the rams recently have done that but those are not teams that you would want to be a fan of if you're asking me (laughs) Yeah, all all great points, and you know we are all on the same page about this. Um, you don't want a team that's going to give up, and it's just not likely in the NFL. Like it's just not going to happen. Um, so I I don't know. Very proud personally of that win, the effort that um, this team continues to show um, at the end of the year, and I'm I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday. I hope we ruin the Saints season. That'd be great. <laughs> I don't know if we can ruin their season, but if the Panthers can ruin, ruin anything the for the Saints, Saints, yeah, the yeah, the number one seed, we'll take it. Yeah, when we're when we're when we're watching the Saints have to go in the snow to Lambeau, knowing that they <laughs> could have been in New Orleans except for us, exactly. Like that, that's gonna be a good feeling. Yep. Exactly, great way to end the season.
in my opinion. All right, this is the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins. Mr. Jenkins told me his plumbers and AC techs secretly wear Panthers jerseys under their uniforms. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, call Morris Jenkins or visit morrisjenkins.com. All right, we've been throwing stats around uh, already, but uh, like Matt's getting in on it too. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that I should bring my stat. Yeah, um, where's your stat at? But what's, uh, Will, what's your official stat of the week? 60% of the time, it works every time. Stat of the week. So the official stat of the week is Curtis Samuel, yet again in the headlines. Samuel needs 70 scrimmage yards to get 1,000 for the season, which, no, that's not a correction. You heard that last week, too, Mm -hmm. with Mike Davis. Mm -hmm. So Samuel would join Mike Davis, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore as the fourth Panther with at least 1,000 scrimmage yards in the same season. And in the Super Bowl era, back to 1967, that's only happened four other times. Wow. Only four times has a team had four players with at least 1,000 scrimmage yards in the same season. So I looked it up um, in the game because Will has started to influence me with his uh, stats. And, um, you know, with, with Robbie and DJ uh, getting to 1,000 yards in the Green Bay game, and then, you know, Will said be on the lookout for Mike Davis. He got there. And I was like, where's, where's Curtis Samuel in all this? And I looked um, at where he started before um, Sunday's game. And I was like, oh, okay, still a long way off. And then he started having the game of his life. And I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know what's going to happen in here. So, well, I had an eye on that, too, where he was, what, like 200 and something? Yard? Anyway, not important. But I just am saying Will is influencing me in terms of what to look out for with these milestones. And I had the same thought. I was like, I wonder when Will's going to tell me when is the last time this happened where you – could potentially have four guys over a thousand scrimmage yards. And now I know. I literally I literally had people DMing me on Sunday night asking about <laughs> it. And they're like, what is it? What is it? And I'm like, oh no. So I had to spend most of Monday morning. This one took a little bit of research to figure it out. Yeah. So I had to spend most of Monday researching this. Do you guys, I don't know if you saw it, I tweeted it last night, but if you want to have any guesses on who any of the other four teams were. I don't. I didn't look at your tweet, but my first guess is maybe the Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, Rams, something like that. Maybe I don't know who it, the fourth that one would was be. Close. I was looking for it, but no, they, it was just the three of them. They never had a fourth. Yeah, I was about to say I don't know who the fourth one would be. Um, can I have a hint, sir? So three of them you're not gonna you're not gonna have recognized. The okay. fourth one was kind of that early two thousands elite offense um, with multiple playmakers. So similar. I was but, about to say, that uh, sounds like the Rams, huh. but it's not. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of the regime right after that. I guess early day New England? Nope. Because no, I can't think of another team that... I'm terrible with historical, like, just <laughs> guessing stuff out of the... I'm trying to... AFC yeah. or NFC? AFC played inside. Okay, just put yeah, us out know, of our misery guess. here. <laughs> just, yeah, it was the 2004 Peyton Manning-led Indianapolis oh. Oh, Marvin okay. Harrison, yeah. Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne Edron James. And who was the fourth that year? Was it Dallas Clark? Brandon Stokely. Oh, my goodness. I would have never I have not that. heard his name in a long time. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Stokely. So the other three were Atlanta in 95, Houston in the Houston Oilers in 1990, and the Washington Washingtons in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Do you go back and look at all that stuff, or do you have, like, a plug? Like, are you calling, like, the Elias Sports Bureau? or? 
No, I, I probably could have, but they, it takes a while on them. So I literally, I have a, um, I have just like a, a, it's called radar 360, a system for all this stuff. And rather than at first I was going back 2000, you know, 2020, 2019, 2018, Ooh. and just kind of looking. Um, and then so you'd then still I be doing that right now. Of, if you, right. Instead of doing that, I just did it by team. So there would only be 32 and then just listed all of their seasons. So I could just scroll through from 67 to, um, 2020. And I didn't want it like the Super Bowl era is a nice cutoff yeah. because all sorts of crazy things happen in the fifties and forties and I just don't even want to mess with it. So it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The context there is a little skewed. Yeah, It's just crazy. <laughs> so I don't mess with that. We gotta find a way to ask Will a question about like, did, is this a, has this happened since 1950? At some point, I'm gonna keep that in mind. Something to just um, really bother him. Um, I love it. I love the little stats. He won't be able to right resist there. going yeah. to look. Yeah, either, so we get a good perfect. enough question. He'll have to go look it up um, and spend most of his day on it. All right. Um, so, Will, you had a great idea um, with the year coming to an end. You know, the Saints Panthers game will be the first game of 2021. Jake Salome said that to me uh, yesterday. And I was like, what? <laughs> 2021 in a couple of days? Um, but it's been such a, a crazy year, and everyone has been through a lot. Um, but, Will, you had a great idea of saying, what part of 2020 do you want to bring with you? I love that question. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the parts of 2020 that, that we valued um, and that we appreciated and that we hope – continue while of course you know we hope a lot of it doesn't we do want to take some things with us so will i'm going to let you start first since it was your question yeah so this one is maybe a little bit uh i I started off with my first answer just being work from home um because i in some ways like that's been kind of this cool new thing that i would never done before and there are parts of it that i really liked but at the same time i also realized like not everyone is privileged enough to have a job where that's possible. Um, So I think I'm changing it to that we could have businesses, organizations, companies, all sorts of things across the map, um, continue to try to be innovative Mm, with how they handle work, with how they handle their industry, with how they handle employees. And to realize that like, in 2020, we had to do things differently, because of the circumstances and we had to grow and innovate and be different um, in order to fit what was so let's keep trying to do that. You know, even if things go back to normal, quote unquote, I, I still think that people need to continue to find ways to, to make work life balance better. So how can we keep pushing that forward to continue to be open-minded about uh, using technology, using different practices and not just going right back to this is how things have always been done. I like the sound of that. Matt? That was on my list, too, but I don't think I can articulate that better than yeah, what Will, Will just, said. So. Will just sold me. <laughs> but I also have enjoyed, uh, we, we've started, me and my fiance have started watching, like, one night a week. We'll watch, like, two or three movies. So mm. I've kind of enjoyed, I've always been a movie guy, so I, I'm, I enjoy kind of designated time to just sit down and, and watch a movie and turn the phones off and, and stuff like that. That was something that we didn't really do before, so... Uh, other than working from home, I would say that's probably one thing I'd like to continue to do. Mm. Uh, mine is going to be family time. And I, I know that might be a little odd considering the pandemic, but my husband and I moved back here in March and it was just a, a total dream job because I've been a fan of the Panthers. Um 
for years and years. And then also, uh, we have not had the opportunity to live in North Carolina since I graduated college because you know, while I've been incredibly lucky in my career, ESPN and Fox Sports, it's those those places are not located in North Carolina, at least where I was working. And so we would move around the country to uh, my next opportunity. And it was it was great, but we really missed home. And so to get to this year, move back home to where our families are and work for a team that I am such a fan of has been incredible. And even though I have not gotten to see my family very much, it's still amazing just to know that they're there and know when everything is safe that we will get to spend a lot more time together, which is one of the reasons that we wanted to move back. And, um, you know, I think about everything that's happened this year, and I can't imagine living far away and just mentally, you know, wanting to check on my parents and all that kind of stuff. So even though I haven't gotten to take advantage of it as much as I would like, uh, because we're trying to be safe, of course, um, it's just nice to know that they're only a couple hours away. And so I definitely want that to continue. All right, guys. That's a good one. It's dusty in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're going to take, well, that was a, that was a really uh, good question. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. After my four years in the Navy, Renee and I moved to Charlotte, even though neither of us were from here. I was from the mountains of Virginia and she was from Florida. But we agreed that Charlotte was where we wanted to build our future together. I was a full-time student at UNCC by day and ran a janitorial business at night. And a few years later, I bought a little air conditioning company. And that's how I met you. And I'm really glad I did. All right, we are back want to remind you one last time, if the Panthers get a third down stop in the third quarter during a home game, one lucky fan will win a smart home smoke and carbon monoxide detector through the Morris Jenkins Protect and Check Sweepstakes. If the Panthers get a fourth down stop in the fourth quarter, hey, they did that in the last game, that same fan will also be going home with a $1,500 gift card. Be sure to check out contest.panthers.com for more details on how you can enter. Still one chance left with the way this uh, defense played. I think this is possible. I'd go enter that contest if I were eligible. All right. It's time for the weird question of the week. Weird question of the week. You're weird. You're a weird guy. Will, you want to do the honors? This is the season finale. And honestly, I wanted to insert this. I'm very upset at myself that last week I didn't get to say penultimate mm-hmm. because that's my favorite do word. Do you go penultimate? Completely- I always go penultimate. Penultimate? You, you go penultimate. Penultimate. I mean, may, eh, pen, I don't potato, know. Tomato. I don't know what word you're saying. So. It's like uh, second to last. Oh, okay. Second to last. It's just a really, really, uh, it's a really incredible way to say second to last that pisses people off because it feels like you're better than them. A lot of rage went through my head when you said it, so I understand. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So this is the season finale. So I was thinking for our fun question of the week, what is your favorite or what is your top and worst it's like series finale or movie finale of like a you know a trilogy or series or something um what what was the best and what was the worst finale all right i'm gonna go first because you guys are uh, movie buffs show buffs i am i was trying to think of all the finales like i've seen like where i've watched a series through that is no longer on the air or might not come back and i was like oh I gotta really dig deep here. So I've got I've got a best and a worst, but these are just mine because there's a lot of shows I have not seen or finished. Um, sorry. So here's what I've got. <laughs> um, 
for my best, I'm going to say Friends because I remember it being an event when I was young. And, yeah. you know, it's just one of those few multicam shows that you don't that you don't um, see very often. And when they left, you know, the whole the whole thing was them moving out of that apartment where all of the action took place. And they left the keys um, on the counter and then they all kind of walked out and you saw the the audience and they were all there together. And it's just you don't. You don't get to see that because that's not the way shows are shot anymore, but it just felt like the natural conclusion where everything took place in that apartment. They had finally grown up and uh, were leaving. And I just thought, oh, that's a very natural conclusion. Um, it gave me a lot of feel good. So I'm going with Friends. Worst only because uh, this is something I watch from start to finish. I'm going to go Game of Thrones. Um, I, do I think it's yep. the worst ever? No, but it's it's one that I've seen That's on all the list. way through. Yes. And I just, yeah. oh, man, that last season. That's two seasons, the pacing, really. I could go on and on, but the pacing is the biggest issue. That show was so good. It's yeah. showing we spent you two every seasons detail. walking down the King's Road exactly. in seasons you know, two and three with Arya and the Hound, and then all of a sudden they're you know, sailing back and forth and – Five seconds. Yeah, it, it just got... You can tell that the author of the books wasn't really involved with the last season because it was just bad. <laughs> yep. But oh, I want to give you, you guys you your... I, did, for the worst. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I want to give you guys your time because you are much more adept at this question than I am. Well, you go first on your... I want to hear your best before I do my best. Okay, so kind of... my This isn't my best, but here's my honorable mention after hearing Kristen with um, with Friends. So I actually just watched the Fresh Prince reunion <gasps> special. I saw the ending of Fresh Prince. They also do something right. similar. Yes, exactly. I was just thinking about that. That reminds me of Fresh Prince. So like, it's literally the same shot of Will standing mm-hmm. in the completely empty house. Empty and house. It's like, this is where the whole yeah. So like that that scene kind of reminded me of that. Um, but I'm gonna go with Breaking Bad as the best finale, um, just because of the way that it did such a great job of really like investing your emotions in these characters and the way that they developed characters over the length of the series and the amount of emotion that you kind of poured into them. And then the emotion that you got back with Jesse, like fleeing that place at the very end, like the last shot, like that there, there was something so cathartic about that, that I just thought was really, really incredible to be moved by, by that. Cause it's so different than like your normal, you know, finale where, hey, we're all kind of trying to be emotional about this. It's like, no, the main character, maybe or maybe not, dies. And this other character that you've come to really love, you know, I don't know. There was just something really incredible about that. I thought they did a really good job with it. So that's my number one, too. And I'll go ahead and add more to that because I didn't, I don't, there's not a lot of great endings, I think, in television. It's so hard. I think it's so hard. I think that show is not only just a great ending in and of itself because it delivers on the promise of, of Walter White truly breaking bad and going from this goody-two-shoes teacher to, I mean, a full-blown drug lord. So I, I, I love the show for that, but I also love that it ends on its time. It doesn't, it doesn't cash mm-hmm. grab for another five seasons, which mm-hmm. it easily could have done. It just said, right. no, we've told our story. We're five seasons in. It's over. That's that. So I really respect that. Um, I guess Kristen did kind of remind me of... Everybody Loves Raymond. I really like hmm. the ending to that show because it doesn't, they just sit back down at the table and then they all start bickering again. <laughs> and it's just like, that's funny because obviously they're still going to bicker after after the show ends. But um, my worst, man, there's a bunch, but Game of Thrones was on there. 
Lost is on there. Spider-Man 3 is on there. Jaws, believe it or not, is on there. Because eventually, I think in the oh, fourth yeah. Jaws, the the shark is looking for revenge. You you stuck with Jaws 1 through 4? No, I, 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 I only like Jaws. But one. if we're talking truly horrible <laughs> endings, that, sh- <laughs> that is horrible. So. I did not know there was a Jaws 4, uh, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. The shark uh, oh, yeah. seeks revenge. It's not. That's not uh, the name no, of that's, it. No, it's Jaws 4, like, revenge or something. <laughs> yeah. And then my number one is a show that I loved a lot and I hate the ending and that's how I met your mother. I think that yeah, is a garbage ending yeah. and it makes no yeah. sense and it's super contradictory to the entire idea of the show. I don't I didn't watch the show but I remember I was working at ESPN at the time and I just remember the uproar you could feel it all around you, like on Twitter and uh, some of the guys I worked with. I remember Golik watched it. Like I remember that day where everyone was just mad. It was such a dumb mm-hmm. ending. They spend yep. nine. They spend nine seasons getting you to believe that this guy's going to meet his wife, and then he meets his wife on like the last episode of the show, and then they do this whole like ten year montage of what their life is like, and then she dies. Oh, and then he yeah. gets back with Robin. And it's oh, like, that's right. It's that's like, right. It's a bunch of garbage. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> you didn't have to do it, and you did it. And what's the point? Yep. I am. Um, I'm gonna say maybe my hottest take of anything I've said on the show. Um, and I fully know what you guys' reactions are going to be. And then I think I'm just going to leave it there and wrap up. You're going to say Lord of the Rings. No. Oh, thank God. Couldn't get into Breaking <laughs> Bad. That's all I want to say. Ugh. Couldn't get into it. You're not alone. I know people. Really? Are. I think I, yeah, I feel like I, I'm like the only I, person that thinks that. The first that. season's a little oh, slow. I, I get it. So I can see oh, why dang, people. Oh, dang. I thought this was going to be a real I, I think you're wrong, but I can <laughs> see I can see why. I, it can it, be a little I, slow. I haven't watched it again. I'll say that. Like, I loved it, and I watched every episode, but I haven't watched it again. Oh, geez. I've watched it, like, three or four times now. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, because I couldn't, I couldn't just, like, it just took so much. I couldn't yeah. just do it again. Not yeah. to go down a rabbit hole, but have you seen the El Camino movie that is, like, the Jesse's yes, story after? Yeah, I thought I that was pretty that. good, too. It wasn't that great, was but I thought it was pretty good. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, all right. Maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. I really thought I was dropping a hot take on you guys. I was going to just, like, drop the mic and walk out, but... Well, you were respectful. You said you couldn't get into it. You didn't say it was bad. You just said you couldn't get into it. If you had been yeah. like, you it was bad, that, I would have like, got Three months ago, Miles would have cut you off. Yeah. Oh, but... <laughs> that's true. That's true. We miss Miles. Uh, thank you guys for, for listening uh, in 2020. We'll see you in 2021. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.